Good morning. Um, this morning we're going to be in Colossians 2, and uh, man, I'm so excited about what God is going to say. Um, I'll be honest, I know that some of you maybe feel like um, I just beat on you a little bit, and uh, I pray that's not what it feels like, because it's totally not what I'm doing, but man, if, if we never are challenged, there never is growth. Amen? Amen, Misa. I know you're not mad. Amen? There we go. Um, I, I love you. I do. And I would not say hard things if I did not. It, I could stand up here every week and tell you how everything you want to hear, right? Amen? I can do that. I can stand up here and say, man, it's great. Just keep doing what we're doing and never change and never go anywhere and never, never see God do big things. And at the end of our lives, we would arrive. But man... I love you, and I don't want you to waste it. I don't want to waste it. See, love is truth. They're the same. That's why Jesus existed <laughs> perfectly in truth and love. Jesus could say things, and it was, you brood of vipers, right? He had started off that way. You brood of vipers who were settling for religion and telling other people to do the same thing. He did that. But, man, he didn't do it because he hated them. He did it because he loved them. And the only thing that leads us sometimes is that tension. And this morning, um, I didn't even plan on necessarily saying all that, but, um, man, there has to be some of that sometimes. And um, I don't apologize because, man, I, I want to see God do an amazing work in us. I believe that. I believe you can do it. you believe it? Thank you, three people. Do you believe you can do it? Do you believe he wants to do it? Do you want to see it? Do you want to be part of it? Or do you want to miss it? I don't. And this morning, um, man, I say all that because we can. We can miss it. Look at how many people missed the promised land because they were too afraid. Because there were better potatoes in Egypt than in the desert, right? Oh, gosh, I wish we'd just go back to slavery because they had potatoes there. Read the Bible. It's in there, for real. That's where we're prone to wonder, right? We'd rather be in captivity and comfortable, Right? than out in the wilderness just seeing what God might do. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to be in Colossians 2. I'm going to take a drink of water and put this down. We're going to continue this uh, series, We Are Loved. Um, so excited about what God's going to say this morning and so excited about um, this message. The past few days, God's just kind of been... Um, giving me piece after piece after piece of it. And through the grace of God this morning, we want to maybe piece that together for us. But um, a few weeks ago, we started this series called We Are Loved. And um, it's a series about how God loves us, right, from the title, obviously. Uh, and I want you to know, man, that's 100% true. Even if you feel beat up on right now, that's 100% true. Even if you feel like, man, it's been a rough day, that's 100% true. Even if you feel like, man, I'm so useless and I am so bad and I can't do this and you're sitting under like some condemnation heavy right now, I just want you to know God loves you. God didn't come to condemn us, right? He came to set us free from condemnation. This series kicked off with a verse that probably all of us could quote together. We're not going to do that this morning, but John 3.16, um, for, you know, for God so loved the world uh, verse. And man, it's such a simple truth, right? So simple that we could walk next door and say, hey, what's John 3.16, what's John 3.16, and what's John 3.16, all the way down the line, and probably every one of those, even over there, would be able to quote it for us. 
I don't know any of the other names or verses in the Bible, but man, I know that one, right? And so do they. But in that same moment, it's such a powerful truth. It's such a life-changing, life-altering, kind of shaking, shifting truth. And I feel like, it, man, if we really got that this morning, it would change everything, wouldn't it? You ever feel the need to try to earn the love of God? To which we all say yes. We all fall in that trap sometimes. Oh man, if I could only do this, or I could only be this, or I could only kind of change these things, or I could only work harder, or I could only read my Bible more, if I could only come to church more, if I could only whatever, right? God might love me more. Because somewhere along the line, we started being kind of getting in this mentality that even though God's love was free then, maybe it's not so free now. Even though when we were at our worst, God loved us, maybe now that he saved us, we have to do something and we fall into that trap. And, and the truth of it is, man, John three sixteen is still the same this morning. God loved, past tense, the world, everybody, including you. And 2,000 years before you ever showed up on this planet, that was true. And today, 2,000 years later, it's still true. When you weren't even born, you weren't even thought of, you hadn't even made it into the minds of your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, you weren't even thought of, you weren't a blip on the radar, God was thinking of and loving you. And that right there motivated Jesus to die on the cross. Not, oh, I need more worshipers, right? He can breathe out those guys. They're called angels, created them once, he can create them again, he can do it right now, he can mass produce them and they can still all be different, I don't know how that works, but he can do that. So he didn't need you to worship him, right? He didn't need you to read the Bible because he is the word and he was in heaven and the angels could have just done that, so that's not it. He didn't need you to go to church, right? Because go read like the couple first chapters of Genesis. I don't think there was a church back then. You don't see it anyway, right? So he didn't create you to solely come to church. And he definitely didn't create you to sing more songs. He created you so he could love you. And so we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. And this morning we're going to continue that thought um, in, a, in a more ambiguous way, I guess, in Colossians chapter 2. Um, Colossians is a book written by a man named Paul uh, to the church at Colossae. That's a fun name to say. Um, and, and the amazing thing about that is he wrote this letter to a group of people much like us, a group of people who would say, man, I believe in Jesus. There were people who would say, uh, I've made some profession of faith or I am saved to use a church word, right? It's this audience. This is not a book written to lost people about the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus. It's written to a bunch of found people about the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus. So, man, here's the amazing thing this morning. It's important for us still today. If Paul wasted so many pages talking about the cross and the love of God to the church, man, who needs it more this morning than the church, right? Oh, I've already heard about the cross. Well, great. If it doesn't impress you, there's a problem. You need to hear it some more. <laughs> And this morning, um, through the words of Paul, we're going to hopefully do that in Colossians. Amazing thing about this letter, it was written to this church at Colossae, and we see in this church there were uh, some people who had came into the church, and they would profess to be saved, or Christians, they probably thought they were, maybe they even were, but they were ex-Jewish men, uh, and, and when they came into the church, they brought this law that they used to follow with them. This idea that, man, it's okay to be safe, right? You want to be safe. That's a great thing. You want to come and you want to know Jesus and you want to say that prayer and then you want to get up and you want to do the thing. But after that, you still have to keep the whole law. 
They were teaching that. Right? Oh, yeah, that's great, man. You got you to you come and you got to pray. And then when you get up, it's not, it's not about forgiveness anymore. It's just that moment. You get that moment right there. Now it's about living the law again. And they would teach this in the church. And the reason Paul even wrote this letter was there was so much of that. And that's such a, a negative thing when applied to the gospel. So he, he writes Colossians and here in chapter 2 and verse 8. This is what he says to the church. Be careful. It's a warning. <laughs> Be careful. Watch out. Hold up. You've you got to know this. This is a danger to you. It's, it's kind of like they're going to get hurt, actually, even in the words. There's a potential for hurt and harm. And he says, be careful that no one takes you captive. This, this word kind of leading us into this idea of, of, of prison. That nobody makes you a prisoner. They're not taken captive through philosophy. Philosophy is knowledge for knowledge's sake, by the way. It's teaching to gain knowledge. Nobody takes you captive to philosophy. And empty deceit or empty lies based on human tradition, the ideas of man, not the ideas of God, things that we've done because that's what we've done, right? Like we got to have this color, this thing, or we got to do these songs before we do this thing, or we got to do one and then we got to sit. Like human tradition, we make it the thing, but it's not the thing, right? Human thoughts that are based on elemental forces of the world. Elemental forces of the world uh, is basically anything other than God. This, in this context, is pagan tradition or Jewish tradition or worship of angels. That's what it's talking about. But basically anything opposed to God or other than God. And not based on Christ. This is the words of Paul. He warns the church. He, he says, man, there's a problem, Colossians. There's a problem. There's people in the church that are, that are taking you captive, that are holding you hostage, that are making you prisoners to knowledge for knowledge's sake. I don't want you to hear that. There's people that are making you captive to knowledge for knowledge's sake and human tradition not based on Jesus. This is the warning. You're like, why do we need that this morning? Why, why, why does that matter this morning? That should be obvious, right? This is the church, right? Like the only thing we should talk about is Jesus. The only thing we should come around is Jesus. The only opinion that matters is the opinion of Jesus. But man, how many churches have you been in that that's maybe not the truth? And on top of that, how many times have you based your thoughts on your thoughts and not the Word of God? See, sometimes it doesn't even take a teacher to come in and to say, oh, this is how it should be, this is how it should be, this is how it should be, and get it screwed up for you. Sometimes you'll just screw it up yourself. Right? Like sometimes we get in our heads that, man, what we think makes sense because this is what we've seen kind of outside of the Bible makes sense in the Bible, right? Like we have different opinions of people based on what they do and how they act, right? Like we have those people who are like, oh, yeah, God would never save them, right? And then we have those people that are like, I mean, they're pretty decent people. Like all the, if they would just come to church, man, they would get it. And they'd be right there, right? So we, we've separated that. Oh, there's no hope for them. There's hope for them. We do that. It's not in here, right? 
Or man, I, they, they, I, don't, I don't really like them, so somebody else can talk to them about Jesus, and I'll just I'll go over here and I'll do this. Or man, I'm not comfortable telling people about Jesus. I, that's just not my spiritual gift. Well, it's your ministry because it says so in that word. So we do that, right? So sometimes it's just us, and then sometimes it really is. We, we set in a place. And what we hear is rules and rules and rules and rules and rules. And somewhere along the line, what we think to ourselves is, man, if we don't keep all those things, we're doomed, right? Like I've sat in church before. I'm not knocking any church that I've ever been to. Jesus loves the church, and I'm totally not making fun of this this morning, but I've seen it. I've sat in churches before and heard people talk for like 45 minutes on what kind of shoes and earrings you're allowed to wear, Right? Oh, you better not wear them open-toed shoes. You're going to, ooh, you're going to go to hell if you wear open-toed shoes. Or, man, don't wear them dangly earrings. It makes you look like a whatever. Put the name there, right? You've heard that? And maybe it comes from good intentions. But does it come from this? And if it doesn't, why does it matter? The answer is it doesn't. See, the truth of it is, if you grew up in church like me, what you think, or maybe what you might think, or the danger of what you think is, that maybe, just maybe, it's works and grace and not just grace. Well, I mean, the grace of Jesus got me into where I can work, right? Now, I got saved, and now I can be good. I got saved, and now I can keep the rules. I got saved, and now I can punch forward into holy living, I better be good, then it turns into that, right? I better be good or Jesus will be mad at me. I better be good or Jesus won't forgive me this time. I bet, man, I mess up over and over and over and over and over again. I just, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel saved. I don't feel loved. I don't feel good. And the truth of it is, man, that's very much like what was happening in Colossians. These men had come in, these men who were ex-Jewish men, who by good meaning and good intent came in and they started saddling the church with all these heavy burdens that not even in the Old Testament people could keep, right? And they're like, oh, now that you got Jesus, you have the ability to live perfect and holy and clean and good and you'll never mess up again. And if you just keep all these things, God will love you more, right? So you better go and you better do this and you better not eat this and you better say this and don't walk too far on Sunday and, you know, like starts listing off all these things for these people to do and burdening the church with these things. And Paul says, hey, whoa, 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 watch out. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. They're, 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 they're putting chains on you. They're, they're putting chains on you and they're weighing you down. They're, turn, they're making you captives to something that is actually not even... Jesus this thing right Amen. be careful because there's some of these teachers that are up here and they're just trying to give you knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge or maybe you're just reading and trying to get knowledge and knowledge it's not about just knowledge see it's, the, the cool thing is when you get to heaven they're not going to give you like this trivia test where you're just like okay if you if you can answer all these questions we'll get you in but man if you can I don't know about you we'll just have to, we'll have to pray about it up here we like to do that and, and then we'll see it's not about knowledge for knowledge is what he's saying that's captivity if you're just trying to know for the sake of knowing, that's captivity. It's prison. Something more than that. If you're just trying to live this thing based off rules and regulations and what other people are saying, you're trying to earn love and get good, man, you're, that's captivity. Be careful. I'll kill you. Watch out. Don't do those things that are not based on Christ. And then he says this in 9. 
For in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily. This is what he says. Be careful. Watch out. Somebody's going to hold you captivity to uh, knowledge for knowledge's sake. Somebody's going to grab you and they're going to put you in chains and they're going to try to tie you down to rules. Then those things are not based on Christ because, right, in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily. This is what he says. And what he's saying here is, man, there's so much more to it. You get that? There's so much more to it this morning than knowledge for knowledge's sake. That's what he's saying. Man, captivity looks a whole lot like knowledge for knowledge's sake. I gotta read, I gotta read, I gotta read, I gotta absorb, I gotta know everything just to know it. It's captivity. Man, I gotta keep all these rules, I gotta do all these things, I gotta make sure I'm good, I gotta try to live holy, I gotta try to earn the love of God. And he's like, that's captivity. Because, man, it's so much more than that. You're making it about the stuff and the rules and the knowledge, and I just want you to know, in Jesus dwells the entire nature of God bodily. It's more. It's not about rules. It's about Jesus, right? It's not about knowledge. It's about Jesus. If you make it about knowledge, you're going to miss Jesus is what he's saying. If you make it about rules, you're going to miss Jesus. There's more to it than that. Do you not realize, is what he's saying, who Jesus is? Do you not see who he is? Are you missing Jesus for the rules? Are you you missing this wonderful, glorious, amazing Savior who's worth magnifying because you're so focused on the rules? Are you missing this beautiful, this beautiful, amazing, like worthy of a pat on the back, like this praiseworthy Savior because you're so worried about knowledge? It doesn't make sense. Have you seen him? Because in him dwells the entire nature of God. What he's saying is, man, Jesus is the, he's the stuff of God. Jesus is entirely like filled over the brim full of God in the flesh. You know, the guy that breathed out the universe, that, that's, yeah, Jesus. And you're missing that maybe. You know, you know, the guy who created everything, who created you, yeah, that's Jesus. All, all that power, all that presence, all that personality, all, all of God, all of God is stuffed inside of Jesus. In Jesus dwells the entire nature of God bodily. And if you focus on the rules, you're going to miss that. If you focus on knowledge, you're going to miss that. You're going to miss this person who's here, this real, like, touchable person who's here that's full of God. You're going to miss God on the planet if you focus on those things. And you're going to miss that. In 10, you have been filled by him. Isn't that crazy? He says, in Jesus is the fullness of God's nature, bodily. Jesus is full of God, the power and the personality and the presence of God. And in you is Jesus. I'm going to let that set for a minute. In Jesus is the entire fullness of God, his personality, his power, his presence. And in you... Is Jesus. You've been filled by him. Let me me get this picture for you. Jesus is poured up, picture full of God. And then we put him in that picture and poured it into you. Meaning you're full 
of the one who's full of the power and the presence and the personality of God. It's more than rules because Jesus is in you. See, rules God is way, he's way over there, right? I'm never going to get to him. I'm never going to earn that. I'm never going to get there. I'm so unloved. I'm so unworthy. I'm never going to get in there. It's not going to happen. Knowledge for knowledge's sake, God is, man, I'll never learn all this. I'll never understand all this. The Trinity's always going to blow my mind. I'm never going to understand that. Like, that, I've read commentary after commentary after commentary, and I'm pretty sure all those people are crazy because not even that makes sense, and I don't get it, and I'm never going to attain that, right? Never going to get there. Never going to be good enough. Never, I'm always going to be chained right here in this place, and God's always going to be over there. That's that. And he says, but there's so much more to it than that. See, it's not about a distant God who's way over there. Jesus is full of God. Everything about God is Jesus, and Jesus is everything about God. And then in you dwells, in you lives, you are filled with that Jesus, which means in you is the one who is filled with God's power, personality, and presence. That's a different kind of thing. That's not unattainable. That's already here. And if I get caught up in the rules, I'm going to miss that. Oh man, I'm never going to be good enough, never going to get good enough, never going to be loved. Yeah, whatever, God lives in you. You don't have to get anywhere. He came to you, right? And everything else is captivity. And he goes on in 11, because we're still, we're not, or 10, because we're not even there yet. He says, and you have been filled with him, and then by the way here, who is the head over every ruler and authority. This is what he says about Jesus. Not only is Jesus full of all the power and the personality and the presence of God, so we are in the presence of God when we are in ourselves. That's pretty awesome, because we're always in ourselves. We are in the power of God when we're here. We are in the presence of God when we're here, and we're in the personality of God when we're here. It's not unattainable. But then he says, also, the one that's in you, by the way, is the head over every authority and ruler. The one that's in you is in charge of all the authorities and all the rulers, right? This hit me like a ton of bricks last night, I'll be honest, because here's the truth. There's something right now in all of us that we think has power over us, right? Some of you guys, maybe that's addiction, some of you guys, maybe that's affliction. Some of you guys, maybe it's sickness. Some of you guys, maybe it's death. Some of you guys, maybe it's sadness. Some of you guys, maybe it's like defeat. Some of you guys, maybe it's condemnation. Some of you guys, it's just somebody out here who's annoying and won't leave you alone. Like Some of you guys, you hate your job. Some of you guys, whatever. You can put whatever you want to. There's something that we feel like has all this power over us, right? Something keeping us down. There's that weight on us all the time, and it's something like I don't want to go there because of this, or I don't want to be here because of this, or I don't want to think that because of this, or man, I hate to be by myself because of this, or whatever your thing is, whatever it is. But in you dwells the one who is over all that stuff. So the thing that thinks it has power over you, the thing that has power over it, or the person that has power over it lives in you. There's something that's seeking to have power over you in this moment, and the thing that has power over it lives in you, if you know Jesus. Sickness has no power over you because the thing that has power over sickness lives in you, right? Death has no power over us because the thing that has power over death lives in us, right? Addiction has no power over us because the thing that has power over addiction lives in us. Right, Life, circumstances, marriage, whatever, heartache, disappointment, con- condemnation, all that stuff, it has no power over us because the thing that has power over it lives in us. And he's like, you're never going to get that if it's all the rules. See, captivity is that because you're defeated and you don't even know how to get out. You have the key with you and you can't get out of the cage. 
Man, I wish I could get out of my depression. You got the key right here, brother. You can get out. But you are in the rules. You're caught up in the rules. And you're caught up in, I'm disappointed in me or whatever. You're, you're caught up in that and you can't get out and you have the key. It's like being locked in jail and there's keys nailed all over the back wall and you can't figure out how to get out because you're so focused at the bars, right? He said, be careful. Raise your hand in your heart, right? I'm going to say it again because you're going to. Raise your hand and you're going to look dumb. Um, raise your hand in your heart. Don't put your hands up, please. Just think about this. How many of you feel like sin has power over you? The thing that has power over sin or the person that has power over sin lives in you, if you know Jesus. How you feel like sickness has power over you? The thing that has power over sickness lives in you. How many of you feel like depression or anxiety or hurt or shame or pain or condemnation has power over you? It's, it's the cage that's keeping you in. You could just be with God if you, if you could get past that. Well, I just want to let you know the thing that has power over all those things is the person, the name, Jesus, and you are filled to the brim with him. And if you'll focus on what is in you and who is in you, there is nothing not one thing except for Jesus that has power over you because he is the head over every ruler and authority and he fills you. Amen? Amen. Let's get that together. Amen. Amen. Right now, that thing has no power over you. Amen. Whatever that thing is, no power over you. Amen. Because Jesus lives in you. You, you can choose to focus on the bars or you could turn around and grab the key. It says 11, we're not even done yet, Um, 11 in him or in Jesus or in a relationship with Jesus or when you come to know Jesus or church word saved, when you are saved, uh, you were also circumcised. You don't know what that is? Ask Rick or Kenny, they're great theological minds when it comes to that. Uh, You were also circumcised, circleized, Um, see that's why you don't want to ask me, Uh, with a circumcision not done by hands or not done by man, not an outward symbol By putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. Here's what he's saying. Knowing Jesus is not some outward symbol, it's an inward change. Oh, I know Jesus, so I better put on these clothes, right? False, ain't wrong, no. Oh, I know Jesus, so I better clean up my habits and activities or I'm not going to be loved, ain't, ain't, false, no. Yeah, maybe you should, but that's going to come through Jesus, not to Jesus, right? It says, actually, when we come to know Jesus, there was this amazing thing that happened, not an outward symbol or an outward change, but an inward change. Jesus actually come in and he cut away all that dead stuff in us, all that useless part of us, all that old me. Come in, he separated that, he cut that off, and he discarded that in the, in, in the circumcision of the Messiah so that, we, so that we could be separated from the old us and, and become the new us, right? In 12, it says, here's some more, um, having been buried with him in baptism, this is a symbol, um, obviously we didn't really bury you, um, 
Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Faith in the who? Working of not you, right? Faith in the working of God. It says in baptism, you were buried it's this, it's this symbol, right? We, we get the water out here and we dunk you down under the water. And what we're saying is, is we buried the old man. He's in the grave. It doesn't really happen. You don't stay down there too long, hopefully. Um, and then we raise you up out of there. And when you're raised up, you're saying to the world, man, I am resurrected. The old me, he's in this water grave. He's staying down there. Old me is dead through what Jesus has done. New me is here. New me is resurrected. New me is alive through what Jesus has done. That's what it says, through faith in the working of God. Baptism isn't a symbol of now I'm good and I used to be bad. Baptism isn't a symbol of, man, I used to not have it all together and now I'm going to try to have it all together. Baptism isn't a symbol of, man, I used to be far away from the love of God and now I'm going to try to earn the love of God. Baptism is a symbol of that old me is dead through what Jesus did. Just like he went in the ground, old me is going in the ground. And when I come back up out of there, I'm saying, and guess what? Just like Jesus resurrected, there's a new me here and he is resurrected through, not me, but what Jesus has done. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Colossians, you got to get this. It's not about knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not about keeping the rules. It's about what Jesus has done. It's the work of Jesus. He goes on in 13, because we're not done yet. And he says, and when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. This is what he's saying. When you were dead, right, in your trespasses, sins, your I did something against God when you're, I chose something over God. When you were dead in your trespasses. See, this is the fundamental moment most of us miss. See, the truth is, sin didn't come to make us bad people. Right? Sin didn't come to make us bad people. That's how we view sin. Oh, man, when we're sinners, we were bad, and we did bad things, and we kind of said bad things, and we acted bad ways, and we, and we had bad habits, and blah, 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 blah. And, and, but see, what triggers in us is now we think, oh, if I can just get good, then God will love me. If I can just leave those old habits and kind of step into new habits, then maybe God will love me or God will want me. If I can just leave those old actions and step into new actions, maybe God will love me and maybe God will want me. But the word of God says sin didn't come to make us bad. It came to make us dead. See, and the truth of it is, man, if I'm dead, there's nothing I can do to bring myself to life. You ever seen a dead person grab that little oxygen bag? Because it can't happen. You ever seen a dead person grab the paddles? clear because it can't happen right death is final death is over death is done right and there's nothing a dead person can do to make their self a live person and see what it's saying here is it's not about like me being good or me getting good or me acting good or me improving my estate or me lifting myself up or me changing my position it's not about any of those things see the truth of it is i can't get good enough to make myself alive I can't get good enough to kind of elevate my position to where God may want me or love me. The truth of it is, I was dead, and in that, there was nothing I could do about it. But God, right? But he can. And it says right here from Paul, by the way, uh, 
And when you were dead in your trespasses and your uncircumcision of your flesh, he, being God, made you alive, all his action, with him, with Jesus, with the cross, with Jesus' death. And here's what he did on top of that. Not only did he make us alive, but he forgave us of our trespasses. God's main goal was to make us alive. The grace that's dumped on top of that is he forgave us. We were dead. Trespasses were the cause, right? He made us alive and he obliterated those things. You're looking at me. Oh, I don't, man, that's so much. This, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not I'm tracking with you. Well, here's what he knew. He knew you weren't, so he added one more thing. Here's the image he gives us in 14. He said, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations. You ever heard the term like they got a lien on the house? Like when you take out a loan and somebody puts that loan on the house and what they're saying to the world, they're announcing to the world is that you owe them money, right? That's what a lien on the house is. That's obligations, what that means. That was against us and opposed to us, and is taking it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. This is what he says. Jesus erased the certificate of debt that we owed. It's totally our debt. And he took it out of the way. Not only did he erase it, he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. His, his, his pen was the cross, right? How he signed our check, that was the cross. How he took it out of the way, how it became his, not ours. The, the pen was the cross. And it got me thinking, um, you ever been to a restaurant and you got one of these at the end? Well, you, you know what's in here, right? Like it comes and, and there's going to be a thing with numbers on there. And at the end of the meal, you have to like pony up the money for that, right? You ever like cringe because you know like, oh man, I shouldn't have ordered Coke or like, because I'm, I order water. Or like, man, I shouldn't have got a dessert or man, I shouldn't have ordered that steak because it was like a 14 ounce and I should have got like six because that's what my bank really says that I can do. And you get there and you're like, I don't know what the numbers are going to be, but I know the numbers are not going to be good, right? You flip it over and you're like, oh Lord in heaven, right? And you just hope you came prepared, right? And it's a certificate of debt. It's, a, it's saying what you owe on there. Let me, let me just give you this. Um, so basically what life is like is we just kind of reach up in our back pocket and we grab one of these guys. Uh, it's real. Don't write the numbers down. Um, I'm glad we don't have a camera. You can't zoom in on it. Um, and and we go through life and we pick out things like, man, I really want that and I really need that and, uh, man, that's good. And, and and what we're doing a lot of times is this thing called sin. And I, I choose that because I want that. Or, man, I, I love that. That's I know it's wrong. I know that I shouldn't do that. It makes me feel guilty when I do it, but I'm going to do it because it's really nice anyway. Like, sin, if sin wasn't fun, people wouldn't do it, right? Um, so, like, you go through life and you, you're, like, picking out stuff. Like, right, I want that. 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 I'm going to do that. I don't care what you say about that. I'm going to get that. I know it's bad for me, but I love that. Man, that makes me feel good. Um, I, I know that everybody would talk about me if they knew that, but, man, I'm going to do that. And then, when you know, what happens is one day we're going to get to the end of life and we're going to pop this little deal open, and we're going to be confronted with everything that we just put on that charge card, right? And some of them zeros are going to startle us. 
Because some of us somewhere along the line thought we were pretty good and we don't really do that much stuff. And man, we start getting into that 613 things that God says that we do or we don't do. We start building those things down. Um, It's going to be a rough day for us. And he's going to plop that guy down on the table and we're going to flip it open and most of us or all of us are going to cringe. You see, the problem is we're going to pull out our what we think we can pay is for good deeds, I guess, maybe is our, our thing, or righteous living, maybe maybe it's not discover, it's I did good, you know, maybe that's our card, um, or man, I helped a lot of people, or man, I was a good person, or man, I was moral, or I tried to whatever, and we're going to throw our morals in the slot, and they're going to be like, I'm um, sorry, we don't take morals. Oh man, um, let me try, um, what about good deeds? Um, sorry, sir, we don't take good deeds. Oh, um, um, you ever been there? I don't, I, I don't have any cash. Um, <laughs> this is not fun. I've done this a few times because I only have a Discover card most of the time. And Krispy Kreme doesn't take that, and that's my favorite restaurant. Um <laughs> And I remember walking in one day and I ordered like a whole box of donuts and she's picking them out and like doing the thing. There were like 12 of them in there and she gets up to the counter and she slides it across. I pull out my Discover card and she's like, oh, we don't take Discover card. And I look in my wallet and I'm like, well, I don't actually have anything else. Right? Luckily, I just had not already ingested the donuts because that could have been worse. You see, the reality of it is when we get to the end of life and we get this thing here, we don't have anything that's going to work. No matter how much money you got or fame you got or morals you got or I was a good whatever you got or works you got or whatever you think is going to balance this out. See, the truth is there's only one thing that's accepted in the economy of heaven And it ain't anything you got. And see what Paul is saying here is that when we got this bill and we were confronted with our hopelessness and we realized nothing we had was going to work on the tab, nothing we had was going to balance out the check here, Jesus stepped over to the table. He took the envelope and he paid paid with cash, right? He, he paid with the only thing that's accepted, and that's the righteousness of God shed out in the blood of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't have to put good deeds in there, although he had a lot. He put perfection in there. See, Jesus paid, erased the certificate of debt, and he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He took your bill, and when he died, he nailed your deeds, your bill, your check that you couldn't pay. He nailed that thing to that thing. So that at the end, when the tab was done, right, when it was all tallied up, God could just walk over to the cross and be like, oh, yours is taken care of. 
Yours is paid. Yours is done. Actually, somebody else picked up your tab. Somebody else got your bill. Somebody else did your thing. You don't owe a thing. You see, the problem is, you ever been to the restaurant with your family and they like to fight over the check? Like, oh, no, I got this. And they're like, no, I got this. And you're like, no, but I, I can get this. And you're like, no, I really, I'll get it. You got it last time and you've done that whole thing. Man, some of us like to do that with God. God says, no, I'll get it. And you're like, no, I got, I'm going to earn it, right? No, I'll get it. No, you cannot do that. Oh, no, I will do that. No, you cannot do that. I'm going to get it, right? I'm going to earn it. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work enough. I'm going to earn enough. I'm going to earn this love. I'm going to earn this thing. And, and, and what you'd rather do is try to pay off your debt by washing dishes in the back of the restaurant because you've got nothing that works, right? You'd rather go back there and wash dishes than let Jesus pick up your tab. See, the problem is anything other than acceptance is rejection. Right? When you try to earn it, you're saying, Jesus, your blood was not good enough. Maybe it comes from a place of, oh, I'm not worthy. It's true, but he doesn't actually care. Oh, but man, I don't, I don't see how he could want me. Well, he shouldn't, but he does, and it doesn't actually really matter why he does. Because, see, the truth is, Jesus is the only one that can pay the check. And when you're fighting over the check, oh, I got to be good, I got to earn the love, I got to blah, 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 what you're saying to him is, it was not enough. Right, I'll get the tip, you get the check, right? It wasn't enough. See, that's why he looks at this church and he says, man, be careful, be careful. Be careful with that. Watch out for that. It's, it's dangerous. You're, you're going to get trapped up in prison somewhere trying to earn something you can't earn anyway or do something you can't do anyway. You're going to try to be good enough when there's no way you can be good enough. You're going to try to do all these things. And when you do that, you diminish the sacrifice of Jesus. And you look at him and you say, it wasn't enough. I'll be good. It wasn't enough. I'll earn it. It wasn't enough. Man, I hope he loves me. It wasn't enough. I'm not worthy. It wasn't enough. And the truth of it this morning is it was enough. Amen? It was enough. It was enough for you. It was enough for me. And it was enough for everybody else who would ever live and get one of these things. Jesus is enough. And this morning we can continue to, from a, maybe a good place, maybe a, a, a great thought, but not a Bible thought. Try to earn something we already got. Or try to be good enough. Or try to hit some mark. But see, in reality, Jesus has already hit the mark. We don't have to be prisoners to, oh, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Because Jesus wrote his name on your check. We don't have to be prisoners to, oh man, I don't know if I can ever get to that. Because you don't have to get to that because Jesus, who is the power and the presence and the personality of God, fills you. There's nowhere to get this morning.
condemnation, shame, guilt, defeat, all those things are symptoms and side effects of, in our brains, it was not enough. And this morning, Jesus wants to set us free into this very real, very true, very fulfilling thought. It was more than enough. You were more than enough. What you did is better than anything I could do. What you did is more than anything I could ever get to. Where you have got me to is farther than in in the best of my efforts and the best of my days than I could ever get on my own. You were and are and will be forever enough. It was enough. It was enough. This morning, for some of us, um, we need to surrender um, to that. I'll be honest. Condemnation, guilt, shame. I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. You need to surrender to that because it's holding you back. It's put you in prison. It's put you in captivity. You're trying to keep some law or gain knowledge for knowledge's sake so that you can get somewhere God's already put you. And for some of us this morning, we just need to realize, man, that the debt has been paid, right? And we need to open up our little book and realize there's no way we can ever get there and hand that over to Jesus and let him today take care of that. Let's pray.